talk about one of my favorite rascals who I everybody knows, Zachary Scott. Zachary. I yes. love him. Oh, cool, yeah. Well, Zachary um, uh, is a great favorite of mine and, and has been for many, many years. Um, I, I did actually wrote the profile a long time ago, but, but um, you know, I, I, my, my interest in him just continues. Um, Zachary is an interesting character. He was born, he was a Texan by birth. Mm-hmm. He was uh, born, as I say, with a proverbial silver spoon in his mouth. That is for sure. Um, and he, he was what, what was called a Texas blue blood or whatever. And anyway, his father was a prominent surgeon in Austin, Texas, and his mother was a, a daughter of a cattle baron. And his father was actually descended from George Washington. Which wow. Was but anyway, uh, uh, Zachary, uh, his parents wanted him to follow in his his. Uh, or his father's footsteps and being in medicine. And he just was not interested. And he ended up leaving college um, and um, going to England for a time. He appeared on the English stage and um, returned in 1935. And he made some friends in England and some some contacts with uh, uh, Broadway and stage producers. He ended up uh, being on Broadway in the early to mid-30s and uh, was seen by talent scouts from Warner Brothers and they ended up signing him I, thought, I think it was about 1943 if my memory um, yes um, but anyway um, when he was on Broadway he played an aviator a kind of a roguish guy uh, in a uh, uh, a play called Those Endearing Young Charms. And and uh, that's what attracted uh, Warner Brothers scouts to him. And anyway, he signed a very lucrative contract with Warner Brothers, but they, Warner Brothers, almost, you know, from the outset, saw him as a villainous character actor. They, they you know... Early on, he was placed as as a villain, and a scoundrel, really, a, a real scoundrel. And he was so great at it. He was fabulous. <laughs> the Mask he of Demetrius, Demetrius. The Mask of Demetrius. His first film, right? <laughs> yes, and uh, and then you know he followed it up with the you know ultimate cad role that he played and. And Mildred Pierce. Monty Berrigan. He was fabulous in this movie. Uh, He he was just, you know, unforgettable. Well, they all were great. They were all great in that, yes. Uh, Of course, that was the Oscar winner, best picture, you know, best actors, full French. Now, what's interesting a little bit about Scott is Scott was a, a, he was a very intelligent character, and and he negotiated when he negotiated his contract very wisely. They really wanted him, unlike some of the people they would sign. But Warner's really wanted him, and they were willing 
to give in to some of his demands. He, he demanded a big salary, and he demanded a chance every year to make a film for another studio. And that is really key, because even though Warner Brothers was placing him in these villainous roles, and, you know, some of them were really good villainous roles, and some were not so good. Right. And, and uh, um, it, it did allow him to, to pick and choose some of the other, other opportunities that he, you know, that he uh, availed himself of. And he made a film in 45 that is either running today on Turner Classic Movies or tomorrow or maybe, maybe it was yesterday. I, I wasn't able to watch it, but it's called The Southern. Wonderful film. Uh, he was fabulous John, in it. And, and isn't he amazing? He really I mean, is. He played, he played a sharecropper. You know, they, they, you know, so different from the blue blood, the kind of sophisticated tads that he Urbane was Urbane kind of dudes, it, yeah. It, it, but it showed, it showed, you know, his versatility, that he could play, you know, all these, you know, roles like that. But sadly, you know, that was one of the last really, really top-notch. Um, he had some good films. He appeared in good films. Always showed himself well. Always was worth seeing. He made a few B movies that were kind of standouts. Um, uh, you know, where he wasn't particularly a villain. He played in in a film called Shadow on the Wall. I don't know. If oh you know yes, that one. yes, I did. I just watched With it. Anne Southern, Southern, Gigi Peru. Right. Yes, right. I've seen yeah, that Gigi one. Peru. Yeah. who is still living, incidentally. And, um, yeah, he played a sympathetic father who was accused of murder in that. And yes. then he played another unusual role for a B-movie studio called Guilty Bystand. And um, you need to check that one out if, you, if you're interested in Scott. Because I am. he played a, a hard-drinking ex-cop looking for his son. And it, it's a... It's a multi-dimensional part. Mm, and, sounds uh, good. Quite wonderful in it. Um, of course, it was a B movie, you know, and and the top critics kind of ignored B movies, unfortunately, because some were better than the A's. But, well, but, what about uh, this one? This one kills me because everyone thought this was going to be a huge hit, but it, it so can't be born to be bad. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 love I happen to like. I, I love that like movie. That I, I do too. too. Oh, wasn't Joan Fontaine? She was a spectacular villain. Christabel, Christabel, what a manipulator! Oh, yeah, oh, he was yeah, so was, dumb. That, I mean, yeah, who could be so dumb? That. And he, she, she was in love with Robert Ryan. You know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Man, what a what a cast, though. Oh God, it's it's a wonderful film to see. I always catch it. I do too. Alone. If it's on, I, I love it, and it's really yeah. good. You guys have to see it. It also stars yeah. Joan Leslie, who is absolutely beautiful in this. She's uh, lovely. That's a good role. She has yes. a beautiful role. Mel Ferrer, who is, yeah, Mel Ferrer. He, yes. he did an amazing job as the artist, Gabby. Right. And um, it was just, yes. uh, it's, I love it. And of course, Robert Ryan, who plays an author. Oh, he was always, oh, was the best. He was so good. Yes. Was, and it, it was, was an odd part for him because he's playing like uh, not a bad guy. He 
he falls in love with her. He sees right through her and knows what she is. Whereas Zachary like, Scott is like, you know, Scott, come on, yeah, grow Scott's up, the, Bob. Uh, pretty naive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, not Scott's best role, but it is an interesting film. And, and I love uh, it. Uh, and you can't, yeah, that's part of his filmography for sure. It's I have really a picture of that. I have a poster of that in my apartment. Born oh, yeah, to but Joan Fontaine, that one where she's, <laughs> Kind of suggestive. Yes. You know. Well, the window. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know what that. I've seen that. <laughs> I love that poster. That's cool. Yeah, That's a friend cool, of mine baby. gave it to me for Christmas a couple of years ago because I know I love that movie. Um, yeah. Okay, so Zachary. Also, this is so interesting to me. Did he? He wore a gold earring. Yes, and and that's and the interview. Um, um, Richard Gordon, who is a friend of mine for a long time. He was a movie producer, and um, he, he liked my writing, and he, he was kind of interested, and, and he first um, suggested that I, that I cover Zachary Scott, and that was a long time ago. Uh, Mr. Uh, Gordon is no longer living, unfortunately, but, but anyway, he was produced by uh, Zachary Scott's uh, two films that he made in the 50s. They were B movies. He made one called The Counterfeit Plan. And that, that was one of them that Gordon produced. But anyway, Gordon told me some things about him. And, and yeah, he wore an earring, which is very, very unusual. Yeah, that is just <laughs> like at that time. Yeah, and, and he said it was the Greek sailors. Yeah, that they like used that. to do that. Had, yeah, yeah. And, and that was an interesting part of, of his story. Also, um, I think an interesting part of his story was his first wife, um, who uh, ended up, after they divorced, uh, Elaine Anderson, um, uh, she ended up marrying um, John Steinbeck, the great author. The Grapes of Wrath guys and yeah. all this other yeah. stuff, yes. And, and um, yeah, that was an interesting part of, of his story. But uh, Scott ended up marrying again, too. He married an actress by the name of Ruth Ford. And, and, um, uh, but what Scott, I think Scott came into his own. Uh, his story, even though it had a very sad, um, uh, uh, you know, he died too young. His story, in a way, has a happy ending because Scott came into his own in, in the 50s and, and he, on the stage. The films didn't work, really totally work out for him, but, but he kept making movies, but, but he, he really did, was able to play a wide range of parts. He could. On um, one thing I want to say is that he... He was injured. He and his friend went rafting. Right. And he right. he almost died. Right. He had a didn't he a right. concussion, head bang, right. everything. And yeah. his friend saved his yeah. life. And after that, he was never the same. Right. And and don't you agree? And it, it's so funny. And all the reading I've done on him and all the prep that I did to write this, um, don't you think that there was a connection? between his injury yes. and what happened to him later in his life. There had to be. 
It had. If you read anything about brain injuries, and this is why football players are donating, they they kill themselves. When they kill themselves, they shoot themselves in the heart, and they donate their brain because they're getting all these injuries. And it's just, it's pretty well known when you hurt yourself and you injure your head, that can change you dramatically. And I agree with you. I feel the same way. Yes. And, you know, it's so funny, though, that nobody ever connected. I don't guess there was a formal connection in any of the stories or anybody wrote about it. But I did. I, I, I saw it right away. I just said, yeah, yeah, it made sense. He was just totally so badly injured back in the early 50s. And and this just came back. It just whatever, you know, uh, it, it was festering or whatever in his head. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, he ended up with a brain tumor, and he died tragically, um, uh, you know. I'm, How old was he? 50? 50? 50 or 51, I think. Yeah. And um, another interesting aspect of him, I in, in the book I have... After every one of the profiles, I have what's called an update. Yes, I love and those. I have, right, I have things that happened since I wrote the original article. There's a, some of the updates are quite long, and, and um, Zachary's was particularly long because there's a lot of things happened. And, and this is a wonderful thing in his memory. But there's a theater in, in Austin, Texas today called the Zach, and it's in his memory. I would love to and go there and it, see it. I would love to see that. I've never been there. Um, I would love to see that. But but beyond that, there was a lot about um, his daughter. They had a daughter. He and Elaine, his first wife, had a daughter by the name of Waverly. And Waverly all is still living, in, and she... Um, has been battling the Steinbeck family for years. I mean, it, this has been on and on and on. And her mother, who was Steinbeck's heir for the most part, right. left the rights to his work. With, you know, she, she left it to her daughter, Waverly, Zach's daughter, too. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, she's been battling the Steinbeck family and winning. Good. Which is, yeah, she she's been winning, and uh, um, but finally the Steinbeck boys died, and but but the family kept fighting her. But she, you know, the, the last I think court decision was 2017, which is you know three years ago, mm-hmm. and um, uh, she won the last battle, and she has the rights uh, to to film rights to his works, which is a big deal. And um, uh, But she's, like, in her 80s, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so I assume, you know, she will, you know, bequeath those to her family. But but anyway, you know, yeah. it's been it's an interesting story how, they, you know, the families were... Yeah, and I thought it was pretty rotten, frankly, that they kept that up and doing it, and it had nothing to do with... The Steinbeck boys. You know, I found it funny. I want to talk once more about um, our lovely little Cinderella lady, Jean Parker. Yes. And she, yeah, yeah, you guys will probably best know her as um, in Little Women. 
Right, which just ran on front of class in movies. The, the fa- my favorite one with Catherine Hepburn and yeah, oh yeah, that's the best one. I you know I I I know there's a lot of people that love the later one, but no, I um, love this I, one the yeah. best. This is my absolute yeah, fave. Yeah, I, and, yes, and um, she really didn't have anything negative to say, but she worked with all these great people. But it was funny. She worked with, uh, I think it was Rasputin and the Empress. And this was the first right. time um, the three Barrymores, Ethel, right. Lionel, and John, yeah. uh, worked together. The brothers right. were wonderful, and John was a little a little uh, devil. Um, <laughs> but she could not, Ethel was very cruel to her. I know. I, I, that was total, total surprise. Me too. And when, when, when that was published, you know, as people are asking about it all the time, they just said, well, you know, we love Ethel Barrymore, and we, you know, all of us do. You know, we love her, but, but you know, I, I really don't understand that. It could be that John Barrymore was, you know, paying attention to her, and maybe she didn't like that, or she thought she thought that Jean was responsible for that. Jean was just a little girl, you know, I and mean, she's... I, I, I don't really know. I, I, I guess, you know, what I've come to accept over doing all these writings and books and stuff is that, you know, everybody has their moments when they don't, you know, we all do. There's no perfect people out there. And no, not at all. We all have moments where, where we don't show ourselves well. And, yes. uh, you know, that, and, and I, I really can't describe that, but I, yeah, I just love Ethel because she gives us such a calm presence and her voice is so wonderful. She was a, oh God, she was just, um, she was my friend. And honestly, she was my friend. And she was such an interesting, humble character. She, you know, she did all these films. She made, I don't know, probably 70, 80, maybe 90 pictures. Um, A lot of them beings. But she, um, you know, she started out at MGM, and and uh, but but you know when I would ask her, you know, because I knew her, she was my friend before we did the interview, and um, um, I would just say, oh, I would love to do a, do a profile on you. I want to do it. Please let me do it. And she said, well, what do you want to talk to about me before? I guess about me for, you know, I didn't do anything special. I never, you know, I, I, I wasn't happy with my, my films. I, I, I liked some of my stage work, but I didn't like myself. And, and, uh, and, you know, I coaxed and coaxed and coaxed and coaxed. And finally I got her to do it. And then the interview is just, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, great. She, she loved everybody. She, there was like I, I know. no negativity about anyone, but she said the one person who was mean to her was Ethel. Yeah. But she was also, wasn't she punished because she got married? Yeah, she was punished by MGM, just like Karen Morley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she was not officially punished at this time, but but she, but they were not happy when she ended up running away and getting married. And um, uh, they made it known to her they were not happy. And she became, she ended up leaving on her own accord. She was not, you know, she was not dismissed. But they made it so uncomfortable for her. She felt 
like she was not appreciated, and she ended up, you know, leaving. What she looked back on, and she started making B movies, and and uh, you know, which did her no, probably did her career no good, right? And that was one of the reasons, you know, she didn't succeed because she was, you know, in good films prior to her leaving MGM, right? But, but you know, she did she did some good movies. You know, decent movies later, but but um, yeah, I they mean, weren't they of were the caliber happy. of what she was doing. What they were planning on doing for her, she was no longer the Cinderella girl. Right. She yeah, was the yeah, stepsister. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and they, you know, they, it was a whole other image. They had they had an image for her that they kept presenting and they kept presenting. And and what's what's really interesting about Jean is later in her career, she totally changed her. She was this, you know, innocent ingenue in, in these early films. And then later in the 50s, she was this hard-boiled dame. You know, she was, you know, in, in, in the, the later films. The Gunfighter, which I think is playing today uh, on Turner or tomorrow. That's with, with Gregory with Peck, Peck, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Jean was to have the lead role in that. I, and for some reason, they ended up changing it and giving it to... What's her name? Um, Helen something. I've, she she wasn't very prominent, but but anyway, um, uh, Jean was very disappointed in that that she didn't get uh, get that part. But yeah, I mean she she ended up completely changing her image from you know, and, and you don't see that a lot. The sweet ingenue you know, into yeah. a vamp. <laughs> yeah, it's a real real tough. To a tough broad, tough, tough yeah. cookie. Um, yeah. One more I want to talk about before we, because we're almost at an hour. Wowie kazowie. <laughs> but it's been so fun, and I love talking to you. Um, I want to talk about this guy. I thought he, he was great. John Hodiak? Yeah. Yeah. You guys will know him um, from Lifeboat, Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat. He was fab in that. That was his big part, and he was Tallulah's, uh, <laughs> Tallulah's yeah. you know. Love interest. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And he yeah, was great. Uh, yeah, well, John, um, um, another really interesting and um, I, I think somewhat sad story. Oh, um, big time sad uh, story. Yeah, um, he was... He um, was the son of immigrants from Eastern Europe, and he he grew up extremely poor. He thought he and, was ugly. Um, yeah, I thought he was ugly. He 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 had an accent. He couldn't speak clearly. Um, he was a troublemaker in his youth, but he got involved both in athletics and he got involved in performance art. And uh, which ended up saving his life. Um, he initially inspired to be an actor and a broadcaster, and um, he ended up doing. They would not hire him initially because he he couldn't speak. They didn't feel like he spoke clearly. Um, but anyway, um, he he ended up eventually getting radio jobs, and. Like some of the others, he was signed by Metro Golden Mayor during the war years. Now that is significant with him because um, when 
World War II, the outset of World War II, um, a lot of the top actors um, in Hollywood ended up going into the military. Right. And, and uh, so there was room for other people. Now, now John wanted to be in the military, and they would not accept him because he had high blood pressure. So um, he ended up, you know, auditioning and, and given a, a role at MGM. They ended up signing him to a contract and uh, putting him in young, kind of as an up-and-coming star. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, by that time, he'd grown up. Bella Vadano was, was very good. Oh, very handsome. Right. Very yeah, he was handsome. a good-looking guy. He had, he had developed his voice by that time. Um, and then he ended up getting his first real break. He had made a few films before that, but he, but he got his first break as um, in Lifeboat with uh, Hitchcock. Which and, is a uh, pretty good a, way to get your, yeah, your start yeah. and a great showcase, and it is considered it a, a classic. It's a wonderful film. And and uh, he got wonderful reviews for that, and ended up uh, following it up with another drama from from Fox, another Fox drama. Metro, it's notable. Metro was not putting him in these films; he was being loaned to Fox uh, for these films. But he ended up doing another interesting drama called Sunday Dinner for a Soldier. Yes, I don't know. I know. I've seen it. Yeah. Movie. With with a wonderful Ann Baxter, mm-hmm. uh, we met Ann Baxter on the set during the making of that picture. They in, ended up eventually marrying. They became the golden couple in Hollywood for a time. Three years, um, and they had a child as well. They had a they child had a together. Child. Yes, yes, they had a child together. They felt um, that he had never got he never got over in because people were trying to fix him up left right. and right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, John had a he had an inferiority complex. I do think um, he was a very you know it just you know he was the nicest guy. That's what he I was just a nice man. And he was, he was crying really to everyone. He w- he gave to charities. He was yeah. you know he set his parents and his family up in a beautiful home. I, he, he did, yeah. Um, he he, he uh, gave back to his community. Um he was just a thoughtful nice person. But he came from this poor background and he always felt that he wasn't good enough. Well, look at Ann. Well, she came from uh, Frank, uh, the famous architect. Yeah, yeah. Frank. she came from a wealthy background, and they're they're you know it's a long story, but their their careers ended up going in different directions. Right. And you know, at the time they met, they were going both going way up. Of course, Ann ended up winning an Oscar and and you know appearing with Betty Davis and. All about Eve and, mm-hmm. and and winning all that acclaim and and that kind of pushed them apart and uh, uh, um, Hodiak really never got over her. I don't think. I don't think he ever quite got over losing her because he loved her very much. Uh, w- one other film I do want to mention um, while we're on his at the beginning of his career, and this is another wonderful one if you 
if you're interested at all in John Hodiak, you have to see this one. Um, it's called A Bell for Donald. And um, it's, uh, it's uh, a film of John, um, John Hershey's novel. And uh, Hodiak plays a U.S. Army major who is appointed the minister of a town. Are you there? I'm listening, yeah. I love oh, the okay. movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. And, and anyway, uh, I mean, he got the best, probably even better reviews for that film. And it was his favorite um, than he did for Lifeboat. But, but you know, he continued, after the war, he continued, uh, when, when all the, the very top actors returned, um, he continued to work, and he he did make some good films. Didn't he make Green Dolphin Street? Was he in that? No, no, he was not in it. Oh, I thought that was him. No, yeah, somebody looks like him. Yeah, really, really similar. Because I yeah. could have sworn it was yeah. him, but he uh, he tragically. So first, when he and Anne um, separated, divorced, he moved into right. a small apartment. And then he ended up moving back into the home he got for his family, and he was there. And why don't you tell us the horrible, you know, he was shaving. And I think he was on his way to work, right? He was on a, you know, he was in the verge of perhaps a comeback, you know, because he had kind of fallen from grace. Um, He left MGM, and he'd made a lot of B-movies. And then he had a wonderful stage opportunity and um, uh, uh, on Broadway, um, uh, and and he was um, really. I, I do want to say the King Mutiny Court Martial, which is, you know, um, he was not selected for the film part, but was later played by Van Johnson. But he was in the Broadway version of that, and it was so he was on the upswing. And he had made a couple other films, and he had made this this um, strenuous film called On the Threshold of Space. And uh, he was, uh, uh, it was all about testing supersonic aircraft. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it, it involved some stunts and some... And he did his own, huh? Well, I, I, I don't know how much of it he did, but I do know um, from what I've was able to discern from all the reports at the time of his uh, passing, um, he, he had done strenuous, there was some strenuous parts of his part. Anyway, he had been, um, he had finished up that role and they were doing a few little touch-ups. And he got up one morning, um, on the morning of October 19th, um, I'm looking at the date here, 1955, and, um, uh, he was shaving, and he collapsed in the bathroom. And died instantly and, of yes, a heart he, attack, He had a right? massive, massive heart attack. His sister found him. How old was he? he? He was 41. Wow. 41 years old. And he had done, uh, you know, but you, you need to really check out his work, too. Because, you know, we didn't mention all of them, but he did another film called Battleground, you know, which is just Stunning! It's 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 so good. The Battle of the Bulge. Um, it's so good. He's he's terrific, and it's a you know a character role, but yet he is so good in it. And he is. So I saw other. that as well. He did. Like, well, so, 
check them out. Ro- yeah, yeah, robbing the world of a, of a wonderful town. You just think, you know, all of these people, you think, what might have been? Yeah. If, and that's, you know, you're, you're left with that feeling. And But you did great tributes to all of them. I read every chapter and all the people. Oh, there were people I didn't. Oh, I did. The people you. I didn't know. And then, you know, when I'm looking, I aha, now I know who he's talking about. Yeah. So you get to know some new people, point. too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I want to. I want If you're not aware of these people, I want you to check them out. And, and uh, because they all... And, you know, a lot of people we didn't discuss, they all had their impact. They all left their mark. And and hopefully, you know, I don't want to see them forgotten because, you know, they're all very special people and um, to me and hopefully others as well. So. Yeah, I think they are. there's so many that I love on here. And, you know, there's all these movies I can't wait to watch from yeah, all the you ones you're telling all, me about. Right? Because I'm really going to watch. But you can see he has Nancy Carroll, Gloria Dixon, Claire Dodd, I love her, Richard Green, John Hodiak, Marion Marsh, I love her too, Karen Morley, Edward Norris, Jean Parker, Paula Raymond, Zachary Scott, Gloria Stewart. And it is a wonderful book. I Like I said, Thank I read so every chapter and I, re- I loved your oh, interviews with all these people. Thank I you. thought they were great. And your follow-ups were wonderful. And I highly recommend this book for you guys. And they, can, they can get it on hard, hardback, paperback, and Kindle editions, too. You can get it on Amazon from the publisher, Bear Manor, and anywhere else. Why don't you give them the name again? It's called They Could Have Been Contenders, 12 Actors Who Should Have Become Cinematic Superstars. And it is really a good read. And you're friends with my friend um, John. We're both, yeah. we have our mutual friend who wrote the wonderful uh, book on Barbara Payton. What a great book. I know. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful book, too. You need to check that one out. I too. know. But, I didn't know who she was. I had no, no idea, yeah. but I picked up the book and I just couldn't put it down. Just like this uh, one. It's, it's fun because you discover new people I know. or people that you really weren't so sure of because. You know, like how many books, you know, there's Betty Davis books, like a hundred of these, these, yeah, and that's these. My, yeah, that's my, you know, that's my point is that I don't have an interest in, in writing about people that have already had wonderful books about them. I mean, I'm really not interested in writing about people like that. I'd rather tell you about a story you haven't been told. And there's and some really good ones. Really good yeah. ones, you guys. And Thank you will you. love this book. Also, I can't wait till you come on and we discuss our Ro- Ricardo Cortez, that cat. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. And, you know, uh, what a dream come true it was to do that book. I cannot even begin to tell you. And incidentally, um, it's soon to be released. It's called The Magnificent Heel, The Life and Films of Ricardo Cortez. And it's soon to be released in audio. And um, I'm excited about it. Oh, my God, the guy, the, the reader is just, he's so good. And uh, I'm, you know. That works great for me because I can't read too much, but I already read the book. I love it. But I will have to reread it when you come back on so that I can, because, uh, you know, I don't All remember right. everything. But Wonderful. it's a really good book. And I love, oh, Ricard- I've you. always loved him. He's fascinating. Oh, and, oh yeah. What a character. Yes. Okay. So, 
Dan Van Nesty. He's written some wonderful books, and I love this book. You guys check it out, and you will also want to check out the movies, because I do. I'm going to be checking them out. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I loved it. You're fabulous, and I can't wait for you to come back on and talk about Ricardo. (laughs) You got it. I'm Okay, so thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you so much for Dan. And check out his books in Helen 12 Trees, too. I love her. (laughs) I love that name. Okay, everybody, so um, till next time. And thank you, Dan. And thank you, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.